coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I found the love of my life in Germany. This past March, she went to the hospital. She never made it out of the hospital. I ended up having to take her off the ventilator on April the 7th. She was only 32 years old. It's literally the only thing I've ever asked God not to do to me, and, and it's happened. Hey, what's up, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Talking about mental health, relationships, whatever's going on in your life, most everything going on in your life, not everything, but most of it, we're here to walk alongside you. If you want to be on this show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. That's 1-844-693-3291. Or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. I'm so glad that you're listening to the show and sharing it with your friends and family. The uh, calls and and the notes and cards and letters. I'm just so grateful. So thank you so, so much. All right, let's go uh, directly to the phones. Let's go to Elijah in Austin. Hey, what's up, Elijah? How we doing? I, I don't even know how to really phrase this question. I guess I'll, I'll lead with the most shocking part of it. I feel um, betrayed, by, uh, betrayed by God, and I'm very angry at him right now, and I need to figure out how to get past this man number one just i don't even i don't even know where we're headed here but um thank you for being brave out of the gate man um what what are you betrayed and angry about my man okay um retired army um i've been to iraq afghanistan kosovo germany tons of places um so i've been to hell and i've i've accepted it and in my prayers, um, the only thing I ever asked God for was to uh, not put my put me and my marriage, what my mom went through, which uh, my dad died of, of colon cancer when I was nine, and I watched it break her. And um, I found the love of my life in Germany. We got married in, in 2013. Um, a week after we got married, we found out she was pregnant. Um, two weeks after we got married, we found out that she had stage three inflammatory breast cancer. Oh. So, so we went through the whole pregnancy with cancer. Um, we got through it. Um, she never expected to live very long. Um, her her mission in life was to give birth to our, our youngest son, and she told me, um, you know, when I pass away, it's it's your job to take care of him. I'm just going to get him here. So that was kind of the plan. And then um, we were blessed and and um, things continued on for eight years with her being, you know, little flashes of cancer, but mostly in remission. And um, this past March, she went to the hospital. Um, she had a small tumor. She was supposed to get some routine surgeries and, and they were going to, you know, they had a whole treatment plan and everything. And um, she never made it out of the hospital. I ended up having to take her off the ventilator on April the 7th, uh, four days after my birthday. Um, she was only 32 years old. And it's literally the only thing I've ever asked God not to do to me. And, and it's happened. And now I'm here, you know, almost three months later. But four kids in the house. Um, We started building our dream house um, back in November. I closed on that on Thursday, so in two days. And it all feels wrong because this whole dream was was for her, and she's not here to enjoy it. And and I'm just trying to figure out how to navigate through that. If you were sitting with me right now, um, I'd give you a hug and I would hold the hug past the time when it was awkward to when you could feel my body telling your body that I love you and I'm sorry. What's happened to you should happen to nobody. I'm sorry, man. How old are your little ones? 17, um, 14, 13 next week, and 8. 
So the first three are from a previous relationship, but um, she was definitely the mom of all these kids. Sure. Um, well, and that means three of them have, have experienced loss twice now, huh? Yes. Okay. So, man, I'll give you all the time you need. What? Where do you want to start? We can start with nuts and bolts. What comes next? We can start with God. We can start with you. We can start with parenting. Where do you want to start, man? You tell me. Uh, I, I'm wherever you want to take me. Um, I'm willing to go. Well, I'm you tell. Completely lost. Yeah, you tell. <sighs> um, let's start with God. Um. So, the best I can, I can, uh, in in my study for those listening, I'm a person of faith. Okay. Um probably not a traditional person of faith. Um, I tend to make everybody uncomfortable wherever I go. Um, but the best I can dig into it is you got about four options. Okay, Elijah, okay. that God's not real. None of this is real. That God's absent. He's a clockmaker. He spun the thing up and then walked away from it. Just, it's going to be what it's going to be. The third option is God caused this for some grand reason. Um, and he could only do his grand reason with a trail of devastation and heartbreak and loss. Or the fourth is that God can't or God doesn't cause this type of, God doesn't cause cancer. He doesn't let cancer happen. And that in fact, when cancer happens and cancer takes everything that God's with you in the smoke and the ash. And unfortunately, there's church systems built around all these different pictures. Fortunately, you get to pick. And what I would tell you, as someone who's seen it all, you've been all over the world. As you said, you've been to hell. Um, I had a very clear understanding because I read a lot. And then I started sitting with people who had died I started cleaning brains off of walls. I started helping move bodies. And then my picture shifted dramatically. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so at this point in my life, and again, feel free to leave mean comments, internet people. I don't believe in the phrase, things just happen for a reason. I do believe that reasons and meaning can be made from pain. I do believe that. So all that to tell you is, if you believe in God... He can handle your anger. He can handle your rage. Feel free to feel betrayed. Feel free to be heartbroken. All of those feelings are right and good. And I would even say they're holy. Okay? Not for a second. Remember, if you're a Christian, that Jesus got down on his face in the garden the night before and said, can we do this another way? Right? Yeah. So, Feel free to be upset and heartbroken and mad. The next step is people around you are going to say the dumbest, stupidest things because we have no capacity for being uncomfortable. And so when somebody else gets cancer, when somebody else gets sick, when somebody else loses a loved one, we get uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with that. And so... um we wrap those things up in stupid little sayings that we knit on pillows or put in greeting cards. Like God needed another angel or it was just her time or you'll find love again. People will say stupid things like that that are painful and hurtful. And what I would tell you is um, let that go like a vapor. Okay? okay? Don't hang on to that. That's people trying to love you and love themselves in the only uneducated, unskilled way that they know how. And it's exhausting and frustrating. Just let that go like, like cotton candy. Okay. Um, however you reconcile God's participation in this is, I mean, you can find scripture to back up whatever you want to think about it, quite honestly. And so it really comes down to what helps you get to the next day and to the next day and to the next day. And where do you find peace? And I'll tell you, peace is going to be a long time coming for you. 
Okay. Do you remember back in basic? Way back then, do you remember basic training? Yes. How long was yours? Six weeks? Um, nine weeks plus another six weeks. And, and I was lucky enough to join like two months before 9 11. So it was, it was bad. Okay. So you remember on week one of that six weeks, you knew yes. there was an end date to this thing. Yes. And when we have an end date, we can do anything. But you also remember when the drill instructor would say, you're going to run till I get tired watching you. Yes. It was hell, right? Because you didn't know how long we were running. What you need to understand is you've entered a space that there's not a termination. There's not an end date on when the hurt stops. And so as a person who seeks control in situations, which is what you're going to want to do, I'm going to tell you to start opening your hands up. And probably, I'm just guessing that because you're a military guy, I may, correct me if I'm wrong, your tendency is to walk into a situation, especially one of chaos, and find control ASAP. Yeah. And that's the opposite thing that you need to do here. You need to fight that impulse with everything you got. You're going to have to, you're going to feel underwater. You're going to feel like you're going through the motions. You're not going to be able to breathe. You're not going to be able to taste. And then occasionally you're going to smile and you're going to laugh. Or you're going to see a really beautiful woman at work and then you're going to be overcome with shame and guilt and frustration and anger. And that's just going to start to loop. Am I on to something? Yes. Okay. Very much so. You're allowed to laugh. And you're allowed to wake up for that one moment when you forget that she's gone and think that was a hell of a night of sleep. And you're allowed to see somebody who's beautiful and think, man, she's beautiful. That's not a betrayal of your wife. Okay. This is your body learning how to do basic things again, and it's going to have to relearn. All right. So I just, I threw a lot at you there. I'm going to stop. Tell me what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Um, well, I'm writing everything down because. Because <laughs> you're, cause you're of, a military guy. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is stuff I want to look at and, and study and everything is just true. Everything. I mean, it's been almost three months. So um, I've gone through all of this and I've kind of just taken it day by day. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking at the new house as an opportunity to get away from all of the people saying stupid things mm-hmm. where no one really knows me. So um, yeah, this is, this is all. Here's, here's a frustrating awesome. thing about other people. Kind of like if you were dropped, if you got dropped in the ocean and you were there for six days and you were rescued, what's the first thing you would need is water. The thing that almost killed you is the first thing you need. It's a different kind of water. You need fresh water, but you need water. And so isolating yourself from people is going to be helpful, sort of, but the only way through grief like this, of this magnitude, because this is a shapeshifter, right? The only way through grief of this magnitude is with other people. And so I get the impulse to hide. I've got some, I've never experienced grief like you're going through. I cannot put my head in your seat right now, looking at my two little kids and the thought of my wife not being here. I can get choked up real fast thinking about it. Because I don't, I I have gone all in to the point that I don't understand how I would take a, a next step. What I know is you just do. And when I can't take another step, that's when my friends and community are there. Okay, so I'm going to rattle some things off for you right now, um, and you don't have to write these down. Um, in fact, I will. Uh, I'll type these up and I'll send them to you. How about that? I'll email it to you. Perfect. And Perfect. Um, that way you can just listen. If you don't already, you've got to get some men in your life ASAP, okay? Okay. Right away. The second part of that immediately is you've got to get very clear and brave about speaking your needs out loud. I need someone to help do my yard because I can't get out of bed today. I need someone to help with my wife's closet because every time I go in there and see her clothes, I can't breathe. Okay? Okay. That's probably not your style. 
It's probably not your jam is to tell people you need help with stuff. You're the guy that people call when they need help. Yes. And it's time for you to uh, do the brave, hard thing, and that's ask for help. I need a group of people to commit to making me food for the next 30 days because I can't, when I get home from whatever I'm doing during the day and I see my eight-year-old, I can't move because my eight-year-old looks just like my wife. Okay. I need you to be very specific about those. The third thing is, and I'm just throwing this out there, okay? People are going to be mean to me on the internet, so I don't care. Um, as hard as it, I, don't go run out and get remarried, okay? No, that's definitely not the plan. Okay. The, a lot of, uh, the, the data on people who run out and within 90 to 120 days are remarried is astounding. And I get it. There's this idea that I'm just going to fix this pain right now. I hurt so bad. Um, I'm so lonely. I'm so, I feel like my, I'm a part of my lungs are gone because they are right. (sighs) You're going to have to do things on your own. That means you're going to have to get a group of guys that you go fishing with once a week that you get together and do chips and queso with, that you go grab a drink with, that you go hang out with. The tendency is to lock down and make your life about those four kids. And that any minute you're not with them is somehow abandoning them too on top of your wife's passing. And that's not accurate. You've got to stay whole and well. They can't feel like they, it's their responsibility to make sure dad's okay. It's not their job. Okay. And kids are super perceptive and they're super loving and they will take that role on. And it's really tempting to drop our shoulders and let them run the house. That's too much weight for a 17 or a 15 year old or a 14 year old or an eight year old to carry. They need their daddy. Okay. which means dad needs to go exercise. Dad needs to eat right. Dad needs to have guys he goes and does stuff with, whether that's going to the gym, shooting hoops, whether that's getting together once a week and grandma comes over, whatever that looks like. Okay. okay. Um, how are you financially? You say you're buying a house. This sounds like a big old mess. Um, I'm, I'm great financially. I'm retired. Um, my income is over six figures being retired. So I'm good. Excellent. Okay. Was there life insurance policy on your wife? Yeah, for um, six figures as well. So oh, that's just kind of sitting in money market. Okay. Um, do you feel comfortable moving into this new house? Yes. Okay. Um, the rule of thumb that my the guy who trained me he was actually a counselor, and he's then he became my supervisor. Um, the guy who trained me um, said no major decisions for six months to a year. So if you can breathe inside that home, that was quote unquote y'all's home, move in and just sit for a bit. Okay. Let the smoke clear and let the ash clear of the explosion that just happened. And then you can assess the situation. It's taking a step back, right? That's it's back to your old military training. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to step back and re, um, like take a, take a new inventory of the landscape there. That one's hard. Um, And then over that course of the six months to a year, man, that's when you start to reimagine your life. I had this plan and now I got a new one. Am I going to live here? Am I going to move? Am I going to get a new job? Am I going to go to med school? Like, what am I going to do? And culminating in that end of that is that one scary, terrifying question, which is, what are we going to do now? Right? This is not the time for bravery. I can do it all myself. This is time for sitting down and dropping your rucksack on the ground and weeping and saying, why me? Okay. Okay. This is saying those magic words to your kids. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Where are we at now? Um, there, there's a little bit of clarification. Um, What should I look out for um, with the kids, with their mom, their mother figure being gone? Is there something um, specifically that I should do? Um, I mean, I've gotten us in the church since since she passed. Mm -hmm. um, And I got her buried two miles from the new house, which is why I'm going there. So we can grieve that. Did they go to Um, the funeral? Did you have a funeral? Yes. The kids go? Yes. Okay. Um, an important thing is to say your name. Okay. An, an important thing is to 
acknowledge her. An important thing is when those kids come in and one of them just randomly starts crying and can't, they're just, they'll be cutting a sandwich in the, in the kitchen and will drop the knife and you'll think they chopped their finger off and they fall to the floor weeping. That you don't go say, get up, quit whining, that you go sit on the floor with them and hold them. Okay. Okay. Um, think of this as a raging river that just broke the dam. Trying to rebuild the dam while that thing is running is of no use. The best thing to do is to let that water run. Right? Yeah. That system's got to equalize itself. And for your eight-year-old, it may, for all the kids, it's going to take, it may equalize over a lifetime. Okay. Um, I'm going to save the watch out for this, is and this. Let's get six months down the road, and I want to talk with you. I want you, to, you and I to, 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 to catch back up, okay? okay. Um, instead of looking for what's wrong, I want you to double down on connection. Even if you said something like, I want a, a daily hug with all of you, 20 seconds a day, 30 seconds a day. And if you're not a hugger, it's time to get weird, man. Okay? Okay. And say, I want morning hugs and nighttime hugs. And if your older ones are like, Dad, I'm not hugging you. Your kid's like, I don't want to hug you. They don't have to. Don't force them. But say, um, I need hugs. I want hugs. I want to give hugs. And like I said, there's that moment when you hug somebody and then they hug you back and then they relax and then they get tense again. And if you can hold a hug through that, then their whole body goes limp. And that's what we're looking for. True connection. Okay. Yes. So um, I threw a ton at you. I'll uh, we'll type up some notes and send them to you, and then we'll clip this call and get it sent to you right away. Okay. Okay. It'll be rough and uncut, but we'll get it to you right away. Um, I'm also going to send you a copy of my new book. In no way, shape, form, or fashion is it going to solve your. I mean, you're just in the throes of deep, deep grief, and you need to be there for a while. Okay. Okay. Um. But it will give you some tools on how to navigate. It's basically like a, a raft um, and, some, and some, some rowing instructions for when you're in that river. It can get you out of the river, but it can tell you how to navigate a little bit, okay? All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and know that I'll walk alongside you every step of the way, okay? Call me anytime, email me anytime, reach out on Instagram anytime, and I will um, I'll make myself available as I can to you, man. Um, thank you for giving everything you gave everything and your wife sounds like she was a powerful strong extraordinary woman and I'm sorry this happened and um, for people who are listening if you disagree with my theology that's fine you can come meet at my house you're still welcome over and um, Elijah if you end up being you know I disagree with you great man I'm interested in you finding peace. It's been my experience that God shows up in the ashes. So I feel a little bit less alone or a lot less alone. And often when the smoke clears, um, I've stopped asking the question, where's God? And I start asking the question, where's God's people? And so I hope you, your church will rally around you too. I love you, man. And thank you for being brave and thanks for calling. We'll be right back. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you but it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. 
Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we are back. Man, this has been a <sighs> heavy one. Let's go out to Leslie in Arlington. What's up, Leslie? Hey, Dr. John. How are you? Good. It's been a heck of a show so far. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I think I, I, I took that deep breath just as you did. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> man. So how can I help? What's up? Well, um, I am calling to get a little bit of advice from you on navigating the crazy world of youth sports. Um, recently, <laughs> oh, I had man. my first experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I basically had my eye was blown off my face whenever I had this experience and then started talking to all the different parents that are navigating this journey as I am. Um, recently, I had my eight-year-old try out for a baseball team. Nothing crazy, you know. Um, and he did well. He's, he's, he, he does well with sports. You know, we have him in all kinds of sports. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy. Just how, rec how league old is he? stuff. He's eight. Okay. He's a little eight-year-old boy. Okay. And um, so we ended up, tried out for this team, and I ended up getting this long email back from the coach. Um, and he was telling me how talented my son was and how, you know, he did really, really well. And then it started taking a different kind of turn. And as I'm reading through it, I'm like, wait a second. The coach is talking about um, how there's this challenge with uniforms and there's this travel team that he's part of and that they have decided at the end that because they wouldn't be able to get the uniforms back in time, um, for the tournament that he had, you know, had tried out for to get this team to play in, um, the the coach said, well, "We'll have to go with all of the travel team players that already have the uniforms." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> like, what? What is this?" Um, I read a couple times. I'm like, "Wow!" So you know, we really are selecting, you know, you, you know, these young kids based off of uniforms, you know, versus talent. And it really, it just took me a few steps back, like, wow, 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 wow. These are eight year olds. Um, and I really had kind of, I talked to a bunch of parents and I'm like, is this, is this normal? Is this like a one-off thing? Like, you know, did I just have a really bad experience? And I was blown away by the feedback because it seems like everybody that has children that are interested in sports are kind of navigating the same path where you either, you know, play in one type of rec league or you invest thousands of dollars into travel, whatever travel team you want to put that kid in. And it kind of locks them in for only playing that sport because the requirements are so intense mm -hmm. and I'm in the medical field. So I, I have a, a bit of a background on like, you know, development and everything like that. And I'm like, what are we doing to our kids? Like, why are we all standing by and, and not like waving our hands and saying enough is enough. This is insane. Yes. And so I made a decision, yes. you know, cause I'm like, okay, I feel crappy either way, whether I respond back to this coach or not. So I decided, you know what? I just, I feel like I need to say something. So I wrote back and just said, you know, I'm really challenged with understanding the philosophy behind your decision-making because they're eight-year-old kids, you know, just whoever's the best. Tell, tell me my kid isn't good enough. That's fine. That's a great lesson to teach him. You know, you got to work hard for the things that you want, you know, and what ended up happening, I wrote it, sent it. I got an even longer email back, really, you know, him discussing with me in depth how challenging this decision is about uniforms. I mean, it went on and on and on. And he was upset that I would question his ethics <laughs> with coaching. Leslie, and Leslie, Leslie, was, Leslie. Yeah. Do, do you want this man having influence over your child? Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. and that's yeah. the thing. It's Just like, walk away. Yeah, I mean, it's, walk away. absolutely, walk away. Totally will. But it, it kind of brought me up to the point of, you know, I'm one of many people that are out there that are in a situation where, our, our kids, you know, they're eight. We're going to be walking this path for quite some time. And I yeah. knew we, you know, everybody's going to at some point, of course. But at eight, it really took me back. Like, these are just little guys. And really looking at your advice on how to really more so communicate this to your kids. You know, you want to be mm -hmm. truthful, but you don't want to give them too much information. Yep. You know, whatever is appropriate. You know, and, and, you know, life's not fair. And that's a lesson to teach them for sure. But, um, 
what are your thoughts on how we get through this? Um, I, I, in a, you know. Yeah, so I got, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, my thoughts were originally informed by, you know, you know, I worked at colleges forever and I would always, I was, a, I was an athlete. And so I would always end up hanging out with the athletes, hanging out with um, not so much athletes as much as coaches were my friends and the trainers were my friends. And it started about a decade ago when my training friends, friends who were trainers at college athletic trainers, were telling me that they were starting to see young people come through with joint use injuries seen in the elderly mm-hmm. from over-specialization and year-round sporting practices and a lack of unstructured play in multiple sports. And mm-hmm. then, that just so that was just a thing in my head, like, what, what do you mean? It's like, oh, the kids don't play baseball and then they all play soccer and they all play basketball and then they get to middle school and they play football too and then they run track no at age six they play baseball and then they get a hitting coach and a pitching coach and they make the select team and it plays in fall and then in spring and there's a summer league and you're already specializing as a shortstop at age seven right yeah and so that was number one that was the madness call number one like what are we doing why and then Um, number two was the insane rise in childhood anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And then I started seeing the rise in adult anxiety and depression. And then as I dug into the literature on the kids, I realized the kids are simply responding to their environments and the environments are created by the adults. And then Mm -hmm. I had my own son and he's a great athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete. And To him, he's just kind of a go-with-the-flow guy, and he's really good. And it, I remember my first um, game that I went to. The coach we had, the first coach was phenomenal. He was a magnificent human being. But I remember the first game, and I remember thinking, I have to decide now if I'm going to get in a fist fight or not because I'm not going to let that dad talk to those kids that way as a dad on the other team. And I knew if I go say something to that hothead, I'm going to end up in a physical altercation. And I was having to make that decision. And it was a field of six-year-olds or five-year-olds or whatever it was. And so you said it best. It's the parent's fault, full stop, that we've allowed this to get this way. It's abusive, and I use that word intentionally, and I had somebody email me and say, I I overuse that word. I don't. We're torturing our children by forcing them to live vicariously through our either achieved or failed athletic adventures. And somehow, parents have come to put our self-esteem, like there's some sort of checklist that if our kids makes good grades and they're good at sports, that that's somehow a performance scorecard for us as parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yep. we've created this world. And so I go loop back to, to answer your question, I loop back to how do you tell your kids? You could, I, th- I don't think it's developmentally appropriate. You could tell your kid, well, you just found out. You may not get the job, not because you weren't the most talented, but because somebody knew somebody. That's just the way that works. Mm-hmm. Or because they had a nicer suit on in the interview. Um, that is the, how the world works, by the way, and that could very much happen. I don't know that an eight-year-old is going to get anything other than bitter and, and anxious about that, so I don't know that I would tell right. them that. Mm-hmm. What I would say is this. I have preached to my kids since they were little, I've got one job on the planet. And I can say it right now to both of them, what's my one job? And my kid, my son rolls his eyes and he's like, to keep me safe. And my daughter won't even say it anymore. She just looks at the ground because she's like, <laughs> she's just annoyed by it. And that phrase, my job is to keep you safe, includes intellectually, psychologically, spiritually, and and physically. And so when my kids say, hey, why won't you give us a smartphone? We're nine and everyone else in the classroom has a smartphone at nine. I'll say, what's my one job? To keep you safe. And when I tell my son, hey, we're not playing in this league, which I've done. We're not, I'm not going to do this league. Not because I don't want to drive you around, not because I can't afford it, It's but it's because I don't want you thinking that the end result here is in any way uh, shaping you in a positive direction because it's not. Mm-hmm. I do think playing sports is really important. And one of the rules is when our kids have to do a thing. They have to play something. 
whether it's jujitsu, whether it's soccer, whether it's it's rec baseball, whether it's my son's in cross, he's a track and cross country guru. Uh, he's really good at that stuff. So you got to do something. You got to do something physical, and you got to do something as part of a team. That's that's important. I think the evidence would bear that out. Um, mm-hmm. I am intentionally opting out of any sort of pre professional training until my kid is a junior or senior in high school. Then we will start having hard conversations about what's next. Until then, mm-hmm. it is play first. And when they ask, why can't I be on this and why can't I do that? My job is to keep you safe. And I don't want you around the mess. The toxic, nonsensical, idiotic parents. I'm not going to use that language, by the way. That was between me and you. <laughs> that was between me and you. <laughs> no, um, no. Check, check, check. You, you, you nailed it. <laughs> but but, I, but I, think, I think telling my eight-year-old, you didn't make the team. They had a bunch of different criteria that wasn't just about who's the better baseball player. Well, what do you mean? They had all kinds of things about uniforms and other things. And I'm opting for you to not play in that league. Mm-hmm. We're going to go play baseball here. Or yeah. this summer, we're taking the summer off. Yeah. And that's ultimately, you know, sorry for the long rambling, you know, thing. No, it's good. You're absolutely right. It, it is. It's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to a different one because yeah. that I, I would, you know, you're not going to be influencing my child, the, the most precious gift. Um, but it, you're absolutely right. It's absolutely bananas to see how, even for me, like how these kids identity is being tied to their performance, whether it's, in but, school but they're or getting that from us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and it, I don't want my just, kid, you know, what my, you know, what my eight year old to do have fun. I want him to learn, hey, if if you strike out, it costs your team. I think that's a good lesson. I don't have any problem with that. I think it's great. I want him to know, hey, if you stay up till 2 a.m. at a sleepover party and have nothing but donuts and M&Ms and you strike out four times the next day, I want want him to begin to to connect, right? Your behavior yesterday impacted your whole team today. That's a good lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I want him to have fun. I want my kid to play. He's got the rest of his life to have the world tell him that he sucks at everything and he's not good enough. (laughs) It, 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 yeah. hey, it reminds me of this, um, and I may have mentioned this on the show. There, back in the early UFC days, in the in the um, the Valley Tudo days, way back in the day, my favorite fighters in the world came out of a gym out of Brazil, and it was Vanderlei Silva and Shogun Hua and all these guys. They were incredible. But here's how they trained: they just got in fist fights every day, and they knocked each other unconscious. That was how they trained. And now you fast forward thirty years later, and they did that because. If you can get through our practices, like a fight with another professional will be nothing. It will be nothing. Until they started showing up several years later with um, brain injuries and repeated knee and elbow and hand injuries and hip injuries. And what they've now realized is they, they save heavy, hard sparring for rare times and everybody's padded up to the max because we're only going to go full tilt when we're getting paid for it in a ring. Mm-hmm. And so I tell you to say, I hear the argument, my kid needs to toughen up and he needs to learn. The world will be glad to beat your kid up. <laughs> yeah. You doing that when he's 8, 9, 10, 11, 14 is nonsense. Let your kid run around in the street with a stick and a ball and some mud. Let your kid go to the pool. Let your kid, and save the gas money, by the way. Gas is expensive right now. I would love, dude, I would love to see just a parents rise up across the country. It would take one Facebook post. All travel sports are canceled this summer. We're not doing it. We're not going to pay $900 to prop up um, a bunch of adult egos. We're not. And I, by the way, I've got no tr- tr- trouble with, with uh, travel ball. A Little League World Series is great. I think this stuff's good. And when the coaches are great, the coaches are phenomenal. And we've had some remarkable coaches. Remarkable. Coach David, amazing guy. Coach Charlie, Coach, those guys are so great. And they've got some other ones that just can't get it. Can't, parents and whatever, man. All I'd say let your kids play. Keep them safe psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, best you can. You got to let them hurt. You got to let them fall down. That's not what I mean. I don't mean, I don't mean bubble wrap them. And don't let them have any scars. That's not that's not right. They got to take their lumps. But they can't prop up our fragile adult egos. Leslie, your kid's lucky to have you. Get him out of that nonsense and let him go play. He's only eight. We'll be right back. 
It seems like everybody is talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, let's take, let's take one more. Let's just make this a five-hour show. Let's take one more and go to James in uh, Bend, Oregon. It sounds like a yoga pose gone wrong. What's up, dude? Hey, how you doing? We're rocking and rolling, man. How are you? Pretty good. I am wondering um, what I can do to help my fiance dream about the future more and uh, talk with me kind of about what her dreams are. Tell me more. So, um, you know, uh, we've been obviously dating for quite a few years and we're going to be getting married in about a year. And so, you know, I like to talk with her about kind of what our future plans are. And, uh, I'm a kind of guy who I've known what I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. And, you know, I'm in that kind of career path now and she doesn't really know what she wants to do. And so she's having a real hard time kind of figuring out what that is and, when I try to talk with her about it, she says it kind of makes her anxious and she doesn't want to talk about it. And I'm kind of just wanting to know what I can do to, to help her. Cause I don't really get anxious like that about stuff. So I don't really understand why it's hard for her. So the short of it is you can't, you, she's got to choose to do that. Um, so the only conversation I can have here is with you. And so I want to shift the focus from her to you. Is that cool? Yeah. So my first question to you would be, have you created a safe relational context for her to dream about something? So I'm imagining, and I'm just going to start throwing stuff up against the wall and you tell me if it sticks, okay? Okay. You've known what you've wanted since you were little. And right. maybe you started dating her and you were very clear about your destination and your dreams and where y'all you wanted to go. And then she fell in love with you and she liked your drive and she liked where you wanted to go. And you've known where you want to go. And so you went to college to go where you want to go. Like, you see what I'm saying? And now when you look at her and say, well, what do you want? However long y'all have dated, it's been very clear that what we are going to do is what he wants to do. Okay. So my question, and again, that may not be the case at all. Um, what I'm asking is, have you created a relational context, a relational environment where she feels safe saying, I don't like this. And you're not going to fly I, off I, the handle, roll your eyes, get mad, be a jerk. You'll be like, oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have, and we don't, you know, we don't really fight. We're, uh, you know, we always have fun and happy. And I've told her, you know, it's like, I'm a completely supportive of whatever you want to do. She's, she's had like a couple ideas, but you know, where it was like a, a school after her four-year degree and, you know, completely different area of the country than I would want to live. And I told her, you know, I'm cool with that. Like, we can do it. I'm excited if it's, you know, if it's what you want to do, if it's what you're really passionate about. But then none of it, you know, she kind of gets into it a little bit and it doesn't, it's not really something that she really feels mm -hmm. super passionate about. So then she kind of doesn't want to do that. And then so she doesn't, and I, I've tried to, you know, like I said, I've tried to be as supportive as I can. And because I totally am cool with doing you know, kind of whatever it is, because with my kind of career path, I can kind of go anywhere. Uh, okay, cool. All so, right, so so that so you're not a jerk. That's what I was I was circling up. So that's not you. Okay, <laughs> you're an open guy. You're super cool to talk to. Um, so here's the second piece. If in the next six months she doesn't open up to you, mm -hmm. she continues to just be quiet. And just kind of do life the way she wants to do life and let you lead the way. Mm 
Um, are you thinking about breaking up with her? No. So you're into this thing? Yeah. Okay. Here's where that's important. Um, I always want to find out where somebody's values are. Okay. Mm -hmm. Versus this would be cool if, or I would really like it if. Mm -hmm. A value is I have to, like, I need a partner who will um, spar with me intellectually, who will fight for what they want and I'll fight for what I want and together we'll build something magical, right? Um, if that's something you have to have and if you're not going to have it, you're going to end up getting bored in your marriage and you're going to end up seeking that, that connection somewhere else, then go ahead and break up, okay? The other side of it is if you say, no, that's just who she is. I just wish she would be more open then I think you approach that conversation with, I'm really interested in you and I building something together. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm the only person putting blueprints down on the table. And I feel like you're 50% of this and I'm, I'm missing your half of my heart. Mm-hmm. And over the next X number, for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable talking about, that's cool. Um, she may have been rejected a lot as a kid. She may have been told that her ideas and opinions don't matter and she's stupid. Who knows what her childhood looks like? You would know that way more than I would. All that to say is what you're going to have to do over time is teach her that her voice matters. Okay. Teach her that her opinion has weight and that you, not only you'll just do it, but that you value it. Mm-hmm. And that she's got wisdom to share in the ho- in your house, right? And the whole idea is we're creating something together. It's less what do you want to do and who do we want to become together? Okay. See what I'm saying? Now, yeah. that sounds super cheesy. Like, oh, okay. Hmm. Really, it's as simple as, hey, I went through Instagram or Pinterest and I have five houses that I think are awesome. This week on our date, I want you before our date, I want you to pick five of your favorite houses. Imaginary houses that if we had $10 million we could live in. And I wanted to learn more about why you think these are beautiful houses. Okay. Okay. There's no pressure there. Right. Or what's celebrity is the most like man and woman, what's the most attractive celebrity and why? Like you're you're taking it off. Like, how would you like me to do my hair? Well, suddenly there's a ton of pressure around that. If I say the wrong thing, I don't want to hurt his feelings. One time I said the wrong thing to my dad and he got mad and hit me. Who knows? But when it's like, oh, I like the way Brad Pitt does his hair. Or he clearly is better in the gym than you are, John. (laughs) Right? Whatever that that thing is. It takes the pressure off and you're able to learn about somebody. Okay? Okay. So I'm going to send you all of them. I don't know. Why not? I'm going to send you all of them. Uh, oh, we'll go through. I don't know even know which ones we got in house, but I'm going to send you the questions for humans cards for dating and the questions for humans cards for couples, the ones for friends. And here's what I want you to do. You can take those cards and all those cards help you do is practice safe conversations, like healthy interactions with other people. Okay. You get what I'm saying? And so y'all can go yeah. to dinner and then the card asks you, what's the best date you've ever been on that's not me? And suddenly it's like, I don't want to talk about that. It's like, no, I want to hear. What was it? Well, it was with Tom. (laughs) I hate Tom. And now you're in a conversation, right? Or would you rather burp or fart or vomit on a first date? Like, which one? Why? Right? And now you're having conversations about why you think this versus that. And I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be shamed. And this one would be really embarrassing. And I couldn't come back from this one. So now we're having deeper conversations. And what we're doing is we're creating a safe context so that when she says, I really want this color curtains, or you know what? I really want to go to med school. She's got, there's relational equity in the bank, safety, that, so, that sidewalk of your relationship, the foundation of a relationship is strong and it's, it's concrete and she can stand on it and she knows it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's practice. And if you're not going to leave her, um, and there's not this nagging thing, like I got to solve this or the marriage is off, then I think that takes the pressure off of you. And now it's about creating okay. a safe context for her. Okay. I do think it's fair to say, um, to let her know, my goal with you 
is to help create a world where you feel safe enough to trust me with your thoughts and hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And she will probably respond with, it's not you. You do make me feel safe. Um, and I think the next step is to say, I hope that over time, you will come to love and trust yourself the way I love and trust you. And if I okay. can ever support you in that journey and learning to love yourself and trust yourself as much as I love you and trust you, whether that's counseling, whether that's marriage counseling, whether that's a book study together, whatever that looks like, I'm all in. Okay. See what I'm saying? It takes all the pressure off of, do we have to do this? Or do we have to do that? Or do we have to do It takes all that pressure off, which I think is, whew. And it may be, she's got a lot of trauma to unpack. It may be, who knows, right? It may be, who knows what's there. Um, but come what may, she's going to know. James is going to be right there with me. He's going to be right here. And that, my friend, is beautiful. It's awesome. She's lucky to have you, dude. That's cool. And good luck. Let me send me send me a wedding photo. Send it our way. And uh, we'll post it on the internet. We probably won't do that. It's cool, though. I'll just say it. I don't know. We might. I'll post it on the internet. Send it to me. I'll post it. <laughs> That'd be great. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, so we wrap up. I didn't know that Roy Orbison had any other songs other than Pretty Woman, so look at me learning things today. I'm just kidding. I know he's got other songs. I didn't know what they were. But this one, Kelly's fifth favorite song. She has this one tattooed on her arm. It's kind of weird. The song's called In Dreams. And it goes like this. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman. <laughs> Start off well, Kelly. Tiptoes to my room every night. Whoa. Just to sprinkle stardust into whisper. Go to sleep. Everything is all right. And I close my eyes, then I drift away into a magic night. I softly say a silent prayer like dreamers do. Then I fall asleep to dream my dreams of you. This sounds like a commercial for MDMA. In dreams, I walk with you. In dreams, I talk to you. In dreams, you're mine. All of the time, we're together in dreams. In dreams. And ladies and gentlemen, in dreams, we're together too. And we're actually together in real life. I'll see you soon. Coming up on the next episode. A few months ago, I discovered that he was liking other girls' pictures on social media that were inappropriate. What does inappropriate mean? Bikinis and showing off their goods. (laughs) (laughs) Showing off the goods. He can do whatever he wants to. He has no right, none, zero, to stomp on your values. How do I, a loving father of five amazing daughters, handle my hatred and rage towards this evil person? I can't imagine somebody experiencing what you're experiencing and have experienced and not feeling the exact same way. When I'm by myself and just kind of alone to my thoughts, I just, I fantasize about hurting this person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to see this person's world just burn. Mm-hmm. And I want to see his family watch it burn in front of him. Yep. Because that's what he did to you. <laughs> 